Welcome to FacingMelsMusic.com podcast, featuring some of the most heartwarming stories from musicians all around the world on FacingMelsMusic.com. Hi, and a warm welcome to Facing Mel's Music. This is Mel Golding, and today I have with me the lovely Dee Edney, who shares her story as a trans woman in the music place. If you could just tell me a little bit, actually, because as much as I, I know you and I've worked with you, uh, we met, mm. uh, when did we meet, actually? It was oh, uh, a couple of years back now. I just would like to know, because we worked together on a youth project, which was fantastic, and I think we worked so well together. Yeah, um, sure. Tell me what your role is in music, first of all. What, what, what are you in music? Well, the way I look at myself in music is I'm just somebody that, that likes working with other people. Do you know what I mean? And generally, I like working with young people. When I grew up, I didn't have any musical opportunities whatsoever. Okay. There was just nothing to go to, no, no one around. Right. So I've always kind of felt a bit, oh, I don't really want that for the young people of now. Right. You know, so I, I like to be able to be someone that they can come to, that I can maybe show them their first couple of chords or right. record their first beat, you know, and, and just work with people like that, you know. I mean, yeah. that's what I kind of like to do. I mean, yeah. I work all the way through, obviously, that, up until working with young bands, recording actual songs, you mm -hmm. know, like professional recordings, you know, going all the way through, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah I like to be part of that process. Mm -hmm. Sure. So facilitating the young person to actually put their music together. Yeah. To be a portal for the young people to go to, mm. to do that because your experience was that you never had that. So, yeah. so are you, do you consider yourself to have the role of producer, songwriter, are you a guitarist? Are you, what, what, what else? Yeah, um, I mean, you have to, you know, like I said, I've produced people before. I'm producing a band in July, actually. Um, and also, yeah, I'm an engineer, mixer. You know, and I've, like I said, I've been in bands, been guitarist, backing singer, you know, yeah. songwriter, okay. you know, so I've done a little bit of that as well. So I've kind of done stuff across the board, really. Excellent. You know. All round artist, basically. Um, yeah. how, how old were you when you actually started? So what, give me a timeline of, of you know, when you started. Um, I was about, I'd say, properly, when I started going into music, I was maybe about 21, mm -hmm. you know. So basically it was just me and some friends. We, I used to hang out at my friend's house and... Like he used to have this keyboard there because he like played keyboard, but it was always like a big group of us there. None of us else could play it. And we just also, we basically, it was like, oh, let's pass the keyboard around and see who can make something that sounds a bit like music. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, the prices would be just biscuits or whatever. It was, you know, it was lying around, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. just more of a bit of a stupid game, really, than it was, you know, anything serious. So wow. that's how I got into it. And I just decided that was something I'd like to do. So... I got into it properly. How old was I? I would have been about 25, maybe, okay. when I got my computer. And you know, about yeah, about 25, 26, when I got my first music computer. It was very, very basic. Obviously, the technology of the time, you know. So I sort of made tracks on there, and you know, my friends used to come round. The ones, funnily enough, some of the ones I used to make the music with on the keyboard, they would come round, and we'd sort of make tracks together. And basically, the first way it sort of started happening for me we were like oh yeah let's send some of our stuff off to future music magazine or computer music magazine and right. you know you never know they might give us a review and we actually won demo of the month and it was like, oh superb you know what i mean so we sent our next lot off to them and we didn't win demo of the month the second time but we did get a review right. we got in you know what i mean so it was like yeah okay <laughs> and then yeah we got basically we got a record company came to us and said oh we'd like to sign you yeah. but we need to have a showcase gig and basically my 
my friend who I was mainly doing the music with, he, um, oh, what's the word? He got sciatica in his back. Oh. And basically he couldn't do anything for a while. Right. And because he was laid up, he met this woman online in America, moved over and married her. And that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of that bit. Okay, yeah. And that's what happens, I guess, when you're working with other people. You can't predict what they're yeah. going to do, which is why well, I think being solo is so much easier. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, unless you fall out with yourself, of course, which... You know, <laughs> yeah, which is doable. It's doable, absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, so that's how you got into it. And, um, and then you... So you made your own songs. You had um, albums, I take it? Because I'd love to... Well, we just made little EPs, you know what I mean? It was, just, okay. it was more sort of electronics music, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was all samples and things like that. Because the technology of the time, we didn't have any way of getting a microphone or a guitar into the computer, you know what I mean? Because back then, we had this silly little sound card on the front of the computer, which had a phono in. And you couldn't get instruments into it, you know what I mean? So we were just literally using samples that we got off sample packs and right. sort of general MIDI sounds, you know. Okay, okay. And I and do it, remember when I met with you one time, gosh, it must have been about a year ago. I remember you telling me about a band that you had. I don't know if it was a bit later on um, where I, was this with transgender. Yes. I'm really interested in, in knowing about that. Can you tell me a little about that? Like when did that start? How old you were and, and what that was like, you know, and how that differed obviously from your earlier years in music before well, you took on that. There was kind of a crossover because right. I was in a drum and bass trio and we kind of got signed and had a record out. Okay. But what it was, the other two guys were DJs. And I wasn't, I was just the guy who came up with the ideas in the studio, if you know what I mean. And yeah. problem was when we did like our launch shows and things like that, I was just standing there like an idiot while them were up on stage doing stuff. And I was like, I want to be on stage, you know I mean? I don't want to be just standing around doing nothing. And okay. at the time, like I said, my trans stuff was kind of knocking at the door quite loudly. Yeah. And I thought, I oh, know, I'm going to start a trans band. So I thought, picked up the guitar. I mean, I used to muck about with it in the studio. I never really learned to play it, but I learned to come up with a riff and record it and repeat it and all that stuff. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try and learn the guitar a bit more properly now. Okay. And I'm going to try and write songs. Mm -hmm. And basically I wrote a few songs and what happened is I saw an advert online for somebody. No, actually, no, it wasn't that. What it was, I saw, um, it was like on a forum, someone in a, that was already in a trans band was talking about studios and I just happened to jump in the conversation and talk, about my studio and they said oh would you want to come and join our band I was like yeah okay and I went up to London and they were up in Camden and they were just playing cover versions and we I joined that band as a rhythm guitarist okay. and we played like the big the big event sparkle up in Manchester Fabulous. but the bass player and me both wrote songs and we were like okay we don't really want to do covers anymore so we oh. kind of the band re the singer left and the lead guitarist left oh. and we got another singer right. and actually yeah, another drummer actually because the drummer left as well Right. And we decided, okay, we're going to have a full trans band, apart from the singer who was like a lesbian, like, you know, a cis woman, yeah. you know. So mm -hmm. did that and we basically got a few local gigs around Brighton and London. Wow. And then we started getting sort of the, um, the gay, gay scene, you know. We played at the mm -hmm. Pride, played at Trafalgar Square in London, played up in uh, Manchester and played in Brighton. Yeah. And, you know, and in Thanet, oddly enough. So, yeah, we played all round. And, yeah, like I said, again... It looked like we were going to get signed, but yeah. it was at the time I was just getting married and my wife said, oh, if you're going to be in this band full time, I'm not going to stay with you. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I made the decision. Do I want the band or do I want her? And I thought, okay, I want her. You know, so I ended up staying with her. Right. And the band kind of dis dissolved at that point. 
Mm -hmm. And that must have been really difficult for you because that I imagine wasn't just, it wasn't just a band situation for you. It was your way of expressing your identity was through yeah. that situation. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. So in a sense, when you married your lovely wife, and I know she is a lovely lady, that you had to give up that part. You were forced with a decision and you made a decision. Yeah. And late, but that decision took on another impact later, didn't it? Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Okay. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I'm now, if we can move on to the subject of transgender, which I know has been a delicate subject for very many years, obviously, because you've had to hide it a lot. You said earlier it was knocking quite loudly. Um, when, when did you know? When did you know? And I'm, I'm going to ask these questions because I want people who are hearing this to be inspired by you, actually. And I want them to hear that actually there is a way forward and there is no shame in being yourself. So yeah. can you tell me about your that experience of when you knew, when you knew something had to be done? And I, I appreciate we'll be going back a few years now. So if you can tell me more or less, give me a bit of a, a, a timeline just so that we can understand, because this is obviously going to appeal to quite a lot of people, you know, of all ages who are yeah. transing basically. And um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about that, about the transgender experience. Well, it was weird with me because I didn't actually, when I was young, I just knew there was something wrong. I didn't knew that I wanted to be female or anything like that. I thought I was like an alien. You know what I mean? I was like, I was fine all the time I didn't before I went to school because I was just at home, you know what I mean? And I was just, yeah. you know, just with my mum listening to music on the radio, things like that. There wasn't really, you know, gender didn't really matter, I guess, you know what I mean, at that situation. But as soon as I hit school, I knew something was desperately wrong. Right. You know, I did not, I could not hang out with a group of boys. I was like, I don't want to hang out with the girls because I'm not a girl. So I'll just stay on my own. Right. You know, so it was kind of, like I said, school was difficult. You know what I mean? Because I got like bullied and picked on quite a lot at school because I was the odd one. Right. You know, I mean, when I actually realised about the trans stuff is when I hit my teenage years. Okay. I did, when I was younger, I used to have, when I was sort of young, I used to have sort of fantasies that, oh, I wish everybody on the planet would go and there'd just be me and a, and a friend left and I could live as a girl, you know what I mean? I kind of had these fantasies, but I never actually thought that that was a possible thing. I didn't know anything about sex changes or, you know, anything like that, because obviously we didn't have the internet. It wasn't something that was discussed on TV no. with mm. families. So to me, it was, you know, that was something that wasn't possible. Right. Do you know what I mean? But when I got to my teenage years and I first saw Madonna, I knew, okay, you know what I mean? That's who I want to be. Wow. You know, and I saw her in uh, Desperate Kids oh, 2s and that look, and I was just, yeah. from that moment on, I knew, okay, right. this is it. Okay, right. So she was a real inspiration for you. Yeah. And kind of highlighted that part, brought that part out of, she named it in a way. It sounds like she named yeah. it in a name. Okay. So you would have been, okay, you said teenage years. How are you looking like 15, 14? No, about 12, 13, yeah. that sort of age. Quite young. Yep, yep. Yes, right. yeah, 12, yeah, 85, when, yeah, when um, Desperate Seek and Susan came out, yeah. Okay, and you said you got picked on, bullied at school, that must have been horrendous for you. Yeah, that was quite fierce, you know what I mean? Because I, basically when, when I was little, I was bullied for being weird, but when I was at secondary school, I was bullied for being gay. I wasn't gay, but everybody assumed I was. Right. 
you know, because maybe my man, female mannerisms, etc., etc. You know what I mean? So, you know, I got quite fiercely bullied for that and for being poor as well, because basically I was in quite a high stream because I was sort of quite good at my work and everything. But I had parents that were unemployed and everybody else in the class who had parents who were sort of middle class, you know, own their businesses, etc., etc. Had all the latest stuff. I had my cousins, Man United top on, although I supported West Ham. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I mean. That was the difference. I had my cousins hand me downs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I was, you know, really sort of had a go at for being poor. So that was kind of the main thing. Yeah, it further exacerbated the situation and highlighted more difference is what I'm hearing. It just yeah. highlighted that even further. So so you continued like this until obviously when did you leave school? Sixteen? Were you sixteen? Well, what it was, I kind of, when I left school about 15, right. there was that glam hair metal music that was around. Okay. I didn't particularly like the music, but because men were wearing makeup and heels and all this sort of stuff, I was like, I'm going to get into that because I can kind of sneak myself in. Interesting. You know what I mean? I could hang around with a crowd of men that wear them sort of clothes, but not be considered, Right. you yeah. know. Yeah, but the problem was... I pushed it too far because I was actually trans. I went more feminine and more feminine. Right. And it ended up, I had a group of bikers looking to beat me up. I had a group of skinheads looking to beat me up. You know what I mean? And I had to leave town. You know what I mean? It got, got right. so bad. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I ended up going really the other way. I ended up going quite masculine right. for a while, you know, because I wanted to get away from it all. Yeah. So you fully knew exactly what you needed to become. By the time yeah. you were at 15, I take it, that was when... Yeah, 15, 16, yeah, for sure. That realisation and, and now you're finding ways in and that was quite a clever way in actually. But of course, at this age and also because of your surroundings, you're still trying to protect yourself. And yeah. You found what was, I think, a safe way of half mm. expressing it. Music led you into that, the love of yeah. music. So you mentioned, what, tell, tell me the genres that you really liked. You, you mentioned some sort of punk stuff, is that right? Well, when I was sort of 14, 15, I liked my hip-hop quite a lot. Okay. You know what I mean? But then it, until it went gangster, you know okay. what I mean? When it first went gangster, I thought it was quite funny because of what the people were saying, you know what I mean? But then I realised, actually, no, they're serious. And it <laughs> okay. turned me off it totally. But I was into my rave music, my sort of yeah. indie music, you know, the Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, yeah. the Manchester stuff, you know, I was really into all that, you know. Right. So you were developing as a musician sort of by absorbing your... Well, I sort of, I temporarily was a DJ for a while. Okay. It didn't go down too well, you know what I mean? I didn't do very well. So I used to do right. house parties, but I ended up getting a bit too wasted sometimes. When my it was time for my set, I was generally lying on the floor, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, you know, I was a bit of a failure at that because just because I liked being at parties a bit too much, if you know what I mean. So totally that makes sense. Okay. So okay, so basically, you're let's move forward a little bit now. So sixteen to twenty-one. So so when you got into these bands, now actually, you said that you left because you got married and that was at 20 did you say 20 no how old were you going to when you got married actually i was oh god how old was i got married i well, it was 2008 that would make me 35 or 36 so you had been with your wife how long before that a year only a year so tell yeah. me about your years before marriage from up until that point in your music life well, like I said, my music life started off with mucking about on keyboards. Yeah. 
you know, and then like I've got my own computer, you know what I mean? Which I started, like I said, making beats on and stuff. Okay. But basically what it was, I went to uni to study music. Okay. The, the, the unemployment office for like, now we've got to do something with you, you know what I mean? And they sent me to do an access course in music, which I passed and then went on to do the degree. But it was classical and I couldn't get on with it. You know what I mean? I did one year there and I left. You know mm. what I mean? Just over my head. You know what I mean? I, you know, I like mucking about with samples and things like that. I wasn't, didn't really want to know about Bach and all that. You know what I mean? It wasn't what I wanted to learn. I mean, they had a recording studio at this university and they were like, no, you're not using it until you're in your third year. So they had all the stuff there I wanted to learn, but they wouldn't let me go anywhere near it. Oh, how frustrating. You know, and I was like, well, this is pointless then, isn't it? You know what I mean? So I ended up sort of quitting after that. And then, like I was saying, but that's when all my trans stuff was coming right, really to the fore. I mean, okay. problem is my family, I mean, my family are just totally right wing, you know. They're the most right wing people you could think of. They're very racist. They're very homophobic. So me actually being able to come out and do anything to them would be an impossibility. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's how right wing my family are. So I was like, well, my family can never find out. And they still can never find out. Right. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. basically you know I was going out just sort of with friends you know I mean I had a few friends that sort of accepted it and I was going to parties where they'd let me come as D you know what I mean and I could sort of be at the parties as D and it was no problem you know I could get yeah. changed and go to work the next day etc yeah. etc it was all fine yes okay. you know but I knew that that was the path for me do you know what I mean and I eventually decided I wanted to be D full-time originally back in about I think it was 98 99 okay but because my parents were so angry when they found out and the shame it caused them, I decided not to do it to protect them. Right. And, and that was another thing I was going to ask you was about family life and how that was. Um, I was going to ask you if you had been supported in this or been basically given the cold shoulder. And I think that was right. Yeah, it's quite sad. totally given the cold shoulder by my family. Yeah. Dad said you should have been drowned at birth. That was his reaction. You know, so there you go. You know what I mean? So no, I've got no support at all, but I had a few good friends. How did that make you feel, Dee? Um, yeah, quite pissed off, you know what I mean? But then I expected it, you know, at the end of the day. So you must have heard. when you expect something like that, mm. it's not, it doesn't come as a shock when it comes. It you must know. really hurt. And just basically, it sounds like it just puts a lid on who you are yet again. And you had that when you married as well. It was just constantly, constantly suppressed who you want yeah. to be. Is what it feels like. Tell me, let's move move on um, to a little bit of mental health. Can you tell me? I know you. I know you've had um, issues, and actually, what I think is the wrong diagnosis. But can you tell me about when you started having mental health issues? Well, basically, I started having mental health issues. They first really surfaced around when I first decided when I first decided to came out, and then I didn't because of my mum and dad. That's when I went into a bit of a downward spiral, and I. Basically, I had a really bad attack and I ended up not sleeping for two weeks and I was on these tablets. And But the problem was my doctor, the one I had at the time, he wasn't really sort of like taking that, taking it that seriously. You know what I mean? He didn't send me to see anybody or anything. It was just, you know, yeah. oh, you'll just take these. You'll be all right. You know what I mean? Okay. And how, how old were you then? I mean, when was this roughly? Not this was about 2000, 2001 this was okay so we're nearly yeah 20 years ago roughly okay so you kind of yeah. got the brush off there from the doctors 
didn't yeah. acknowledged. And ha- tell me the what you were suffering. I mean, was it depression? I mean, t- tell me about the symptoms. Well, the main thing was anxiety, I'd say, because it was just a really, really heightened anxiety. Right. You know, the fact was, like I said, I couldn't sleep for two weeks because my brain was going far too fast. Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't slow it down. Do you know what I mean? It was because I was just so anxious. So, you know, I'd lie in bed and I'd shut my eyes and all I could hear was like, you know, say if I'd watched, I don't know, for example, I watched EastEnders on telly and then I'd gone to bed. All I could hear was the characters in EastEnders talking nonsense in my head. You know what I mean? It was just like, just voices, chat, 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 images, chat, 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 bang, 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 bang. You know what I mean? So there was no way I could sleep. Okay. You know what I mean? So. Right. Okay. And what, what was that eventually put down to? Did they, they come up with a diagnosis on that? Um, yeah, that was the OCD. That was OCD? Yeah. Okay. Did you manage to get that under control? No. Right. And to this day, do you... you yeah, when I moved to France, yes. You moved to France, things started... When I moved to France, because obviously their health system is far superior to the one in England. Yeah. When it all started, yeah. my wife took me straight in to see a psychiatrist. She said, okay, we're going to send you to a hospital. They gave me a dose of something to calm down, sent me to the hospital. I was there a couple of weeks till they diagnosed me and then they sent me home. And then it was a very, very, very long battle to get back to any sort of sense of normality. Okay, so you've mentioned here anxiety and, and the OCD, uh, chitter-chatter, yeah. chitter, basically, fast thinking. Um, and I guess what I'm looking at is, I know that you were diagnosed of bipolar. Yeah. So tell me about that, and, and when did that diagnosis come about, and how did it make you feel to have that diagnosis? Well, bipolar was originally, they, they came up with it at the hospital over here in France. Okay. But I didn't tell them anything about my gender dysphoria. Okay. You know, so obviously they didn't have all the information right. to make the diagnosis. I was happier when they told me because I thought, oh, that's what it is. You know, this is, if only the doctor in England 20 years ago could have done this. Yes. It would have probably saved me a hell of a lot of trouble. Right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, so you had this, and bipolar, just to be clear on, on what that actually is, it's the highs and lows of, of emotions. So um, you must have been very, very down and depressed, and yes. at the times you would be on a, on a high. Yeah, but um, my high was anxiety. It wasn't a good high. Okay, that's, that's a very, bad high. a very bad high. And obviously, yeah. you were in a lose situation, basically. I was in an endless loop of anxiety and depression. Right. Okay, so bringing you up to date now because obviously you've been married to your lovely lady for well, how, uh, how many years now? It's over 10 years, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we've been married now, yeah, 11 years. 11 years now, okay. What's the support system been with that? Well, my wife, bless her, she's absolutely great, you know what I mean? Because she's um, she supports me, she understands, yes. but it's just not something that her world can deal with if you know what i mean sure okay you know so at the end of the day the moment we're on lockdown yeah i'm sat here in in my bedroom and Mm. she's like okay if you want to be d you could do it in your bedroom you know it's no problem if you open the door and want to come out and have have a drink just shout and i'll go in the other room because she just doesn't want to see it right you know because it's like like i said you know in her world it's just something she can't get to grips with Yes, and, and again, how, how would that impact on you, Dee? I mean, how does that make you feel? Well, it makes me very down because, you know, I love her with all my heart. She's my love, my life and everything, yeah. you know, and 
I just want to be with her, you yeah. know? Yeah. But it's just really, really hard. And again, if I stop doing this, I mean, the thing is, the reason I, they knew I wasn't bipolar is because the symptoms disappear when I'm myself. Right, exactly. You know, and yes. my, my shrink was like, well, you can't be bipolar because you'd still have the symptoms. Right. And then it was actually my therapist that actually flagged it. When I, when I went to see a gender specialist, Yes. I think the second session, maybe, she goes, you're not bipolar. I said, why? She goes, no, you're just gender dysphoria. She goes, that's all it is. She yeah. goes, you've got high and low mood due to gender dysphoria. Right. You know, it's why the anxiety and the depression. Yeah. And eventually, my, my psychiatrist figured that out as well. Right. Like, yeah. right, well, you've got to live your life fully as a woman in order to live a normal life and calm mm. all of this down. Mm. But it means losing my wife and my cats, which I don't want to do. So I'm, at the moment a bit stuffed if you know what i mean yeah you're sort of in between the worlds aren't you you haven't you're yeah. still quite in either but you've you've managed to find a place where you can tap into both worlds but yeah. I, I take it do you see that as a long-term situation or is this going to be short term you've got to still cross over dare i say no the thing is much as i hate to say i mean like i said i love my wife more than anything you know what i mean and when you love someone in a way, I'm not, not letting a go as in letting a go as in divorce, et cetera, et cetera. But I have got to leave and do this myself. You know what I mean? For her. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Because so, she can have some sort of normality. Yeah. You know, and like I said, it's the whole thing. If you do, you know, because I love her, I've got to do that for her. I can't think of my own, my own self. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it's for your mental health too. You know, mm. this, this is for your mental health because if you, don't I mean tell me what the therapist said to you I already know but I just want the viewers and the listeners to actually know what they what the your therapist said what would happen if you actually didn't fully trans what would happen to you well the symptoms will start up again and I'll end up back in hospital okay like that'll be my life it'll be an endless loop of medication and hospitalization okay yeah so you have no choice yeah no choice exactly no choice but to become this person yeah become who you are the person who is inside yeah yeah That's true. which is very very difficult uh particularly as you have you've had such a loving relationship with your wife and you still love and care for her so dearly what an awful position that must be for you to be in to be living in yeah. day to day with this and well, like and i said i've i've stopped it in the past because of my parents didn't want to shame them yeah. You know, I've done, I've stopped it again in the past because like with the band. Yeah. But the problem is back then I was just ill. I wasn't at the, you know, it wasn't got to the point of hospitalisation. Mm. It was only the fact I got hospitalised and then I hid it again. And then when I got bad again, I went back to my psychiatrist and she goes, I think we're going to have to send you back to hospital. That was the day I realised, okay, as much as I love my wife or family, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. I can't go back to hospital. Okay. You know? It just can't happen because I won't, no. it's just going to get worse and worse and I can't, you know, I can't do it. Yeah. Because well, again, I mean, I think one thing about my wife, she said she'd rather see me happy as a woman than depressed as a man, if you know what I mean. How, un how unselfish. She, she, she had to live as, with me as a depressed man. Oh. You know, and that was hell on her. Do you yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. Really, really horrible. Yes. Yeah. So she knows, you know what I mean? Yeah, the impact is on both sides, you and for her, absolutely. Mm. I'm sure conversation with her is a whole other interview, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
with 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 your your wife there so so we're very clear now um, and working on basically a head level because when, when we're looking at all of these things we're looking at we're operating from a head level, which means we logically know what we have to do. So you logically know what you have to do, but the turmoil still sits within your solar plexus, basically. It's still yeah. within you. And that it causes conflict. Um, yeah. And that's where mental health issues arise and well-being. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how is your well-being in general? We've talked about your mental health. How does that actually affect you physically physiologically does that have any effects on you i mean do you get tired yes. or can you tell me a little bit about that well the problem is i'm not half the artist musician producer i should have been if i hadn't have had all this because i'd get up in you know i'd be tired from my tablets i'd be depressed or whatever i spend so many days laying in the sofa and not working on music that i've never progressed in the way i should have progressed you know i mean like when i started back when I've got my first job in a studio, I was well ahead of everybody else there. They've now gone on and they're working with big artists and I'm still sat here. And it's because they worked. They spent every day, they worked, they got good. Me, I spent every day feeling depressed and doing nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's why I didn't progress. Okay. Yes, makes sense. Of course, when you're down, when you're depressed, there's just no motivation at all to do anything and you tend to just close close the curtains and some people don't even get out of bed and yeah. very typical of depression so so it's it's impacted you on your career is what you're telling yeah. so you feel that you you haven't gone as far as you would have done what about what about now okay so how are you feeling i mean we're talking about the past we sort of talked up to up to the pre present slightly in the past still how are you now because i mean we started talking about this i met you nearly two years ago and mm. uh, i i want to know where you're you're at now let's just look at the last two years how have you progressed since i met you to where you're at now what's what's tell me the good news well the good news in the last two years like i said because i've started coming out and living as a woman right i've been a lot more relaxed you know i've been a lot more confident Right. You know, so I've, I've been managing day to day stuff a lot better. You know, if something bad happens, I'll be able to deal with it on the spot and not think about it again. Whereas if I have to be a man and I'm all out going out and I'm in my anxiety and depression mode, if something bad happens, I'll turn it into a massive thing and that will lead to another episode. Right. You know. Okay. So what you're saying basically, what I'm hearing is by fulfilling your desire and fulfilling your needs by coming out and being open with yourself before other people because it all starts with yourself obviously yeah this has improved your mental health significantly and you're not would you say you're not quite as depressed as you were perhaps five years ago ten years oh, not ago? even it's not even close it's not even a contest right so this is fantastic news and when when it comes to the future how do you see yourself in the future where do you see this going where do you want to go what's your aim that's actually quite a difficult question at the moment because yeah. i kind of like i said i'm so torn in my life because i really do not want to leave my wife and my cats you know i mean my cats are my everything and my wife's my everything you know yeah. and since i've been on lockdown i've been here with my wife and my cats and i've been yeah. working on music and it's yeah. you know doing things and i've got quite comfortable and I'm actually quite scared to go back out in the world now. 
I think a lot of people are, but um, okay. But it, it, once we get beyond the lockdown and, you know, once we get used to going back out, I mean, I guess my question is, you know, do you want to carry on in music? What are your aspirations? Yeah, I know you're building a business. You're building a business, right? Yeah, I am, yeah. Tell me about your business. Promote it, sell it. Okay, well, I'm working, at the moment, I'm working with a couple of companies, but what I want to do is build on that, which is basically, I've, I've got a recording studio here in France. It was in my wife's grandmother's house. Mm. Basically, originally, we were going to move into that. So, of course, I went out, spent loads of money made this great studio and it's awesome but wow. now she's decided that she wants to sell the house right. so i can't stay there so i'm gonna to have to come to england so what i need to do okay. i'm hoping is to build find somewhere there to build a studio which will then be the base of a business which will then be able to get funding to work with young people and do the same things that i've been doing That's you know like i said producing young bands singers artists etc etc along with working for Ken Music, who I work for, and Art ZX, who I work for, you know, because they're great people to work for as well. So, right. you know, I want to be able to sort of build that and just keep doing that, you know. But my angle that I want to go for, because now I'm better in myself, I want to kind of get to the harder to reach young people while they're at that age, and I want them to be able to deal with their problems before they get too old like me and end up having to go through medical medication and hospital and sure. all these nasty things you know what I mean I want to be able to work with the young people and give them some sort of platform through their performing art to be able to get out what's inside them and not let it control them you know and you seem so passionate about that and is that your general advice is to just not let this build up and build up until you're an older person to oh, absolutely yeah yeah that's that's the advice my if i could be a basically if i was an, an older person now to go back to the younger me i would say look just go ahead and transition you know right. because if you do that you'll have a much more successful life you'll be a much happier person you won't have to go through all of what you've been through yes you know because i know you know a, a lot of people out there find trans the trans issue hard i mean the government are trying to bring the bathroom ban in at the moment so we can't use the female bathrooms anymore Right. you know and it's all going backwards you know what i mean but the problem is right. you know all right yeah government do that but what's what's what are you, what are you going to provide for us you know what i mean so where do we go absolutely you know what i mean and they're not thinking about things like this and the no. point is you know just the, if the more people can just come out and be themselves and be successful then maybe there'll be a more positive light shone on trans people great and this is why we're doing this, you know. Exactly, yeah. This is exactly why we're doing this, to try and bring this all into awareness. It's all okay, it's all good, and just to be supportive as a community. You know, we should all blend in and accept each other, no matter what our differences are, as a community. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so coming back to the work front, you mentioned Kent Music. I know of Kent Music. Um, tell me about how you've been received in the music business um, and or anything to do with music, anything to do with not necessarily record industry or, for example, with Kent, Kent Music, you know, have you been received as being D, who you are? It's been great, I've got to say. I can't have asked for any more. You know what I mean? I've had support from them. Yeah. And I said, the young people, they didn't bat an eyelid, you know what I mean? It just went, it was just like it was normal. You know, and a company, I've now got a job with Arts so I went to them as D for the interview, got the job as D. And working for them as D, you know, so that was kind of a big, a big step, you know what I mean? To actually be able to go out and do that, you yeah. know, while, rather than actually have a job and transition there. It was great to go out and be able to get a job as myself, you know. 
Absolutely wonderful. And it's so wonderful to hear you say this. And it's wonderful to spread that word as well across to other people who may be worrying about this, you know, because to, I know you've had, that's a wonderful, you know, um, experience to have basically, you know, to end on that. But you have been received negatively as well, haven't you? Um, yeah, in the past, yeah. In the past. I mean, have you been neg received negatively into on a business level in the workplace? No. no. Because I, I guess back then you were... You're the well. You're assigned male person, yeah. right? So, so what we're saying here basically is that there is acceptance here. There is a lot of acceptance. There's more acceptance There's than people support. think. There is support. You know, oddly enough, the only places I've ever received violence is London and Brighton. Right. And Brighton twice. Okay. You know, the people go on about this Brighton being this great haven. No, it's not. Right. Know, I've never been to a more unaccepting place. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, actually, how that, how that was, um, how that felt for you and, and what well, happened? Can you tell me what happened? Well, basically, the time in Brighton, I mean, this was actually a gay pride in Brighton as well. I was just getting a lot of hassle from a lot of, uh, oddly enough, females, you know what I mean? I was getting a lot of really rude comments and nasty comments from females. Some guy threw a lighter at my head. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was quite horrible down there, gay pride in Brighton. You know what I mean? It was, I've never seen anything like that. Okay. You know, London's the only place I've actually had a kick in, though. Right. Yeah. You know, but that wasn't too bad. Like I said, it was actually a good kick in because I had really trouble with my back. And <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with it. You know, when you go to an osteopath and they click your back and it gets better. Yes. Some guy just kicked me in the back and my back became better. I was like, wow, you just saved me 50 quid. <laughs> oh, wow, my back's better. <laughs> Not advocating that's what you should do. You know what I mean? People, yeah, go out and cause a fight and see if they'll fix your back for you. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, there's a positive there. <laughs> positive yeah. So good that you've got this bright and positive outlook. And um, I, I think, you know, you're, it sounds like your future is bright and you're heading in the right direction. And I think just to basically sum it all up here, there is something actually I want to talk about, the internal process okay. before I sum it up. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're actually now only really just starting to feel more confident. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the last year. Right. And the reason is because you've allowed yourself to be your self. Yeah. Your true self and you've tapped into that. So it just goes to show unless you're going to face that part of you, unless you can um, allow yourself to access that part of you, you're mm. just going to be in a loop of turmoil forever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to change unless you make that change. Would you say that's pretty accurate? I'd say it's very accurate. That's the message I want to get through to young people, you know, because I think a lot of young people, they go through their negative cycles and they hit out and they do bad things because they can't, they haven't got any acceptance of themselves. You know what I mean? And I know when you're young, it is harder because, you know, young people are cruel to each other, teenagers, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it's just promoting the message that once you figure out your inner self and you get yourself balanced, right. that you don't have the need to go out and do, the, do anything like that anymore. You know what I mean? Because you're confident in yourself. You don't follow a bad influence or, you know, you, you, you're comfortable with who you are and what you're doing. Yes. You know, and this is why I'm so desperate to get through to young people to just yeah. be themselves. Be yourself. You know? That's right. Be yourself. Funny enough, that was my affirmation for today. Be yourself. Oh, okay, that's cool. Be true to yourself and be yourself. And, 
and because it has a knock-on effect doesn't it if you're not exactly. if you don't uh, allow yourself to be yourself if you don't allow yourself to be true to yourself then you will go into depression and then you won't get anything done in life you're just like you say you could have been somewhere else you could have been more advanced um in your music career whether as a producer or a musician or whatever it is uh, wherever it would have taken Even as a tutor do you know yeah. what i mean yeah everything you know what i mean because there's so many times i've gone like this is years ago now um you know i'd go to work i'd be in the middle of an anxiety attack right and i wouldn't be able to do the workshop properly i'd sit in the corner be quiet yeah. do you yeah. know what i mean because i just i just couldn't function right Exactly. You know, yeah. and that hasn't happened since I've transitioned. Right. Are you, do you consider yourself spiritual at all? Yeah, I'm a spiritualist, yeah. You are. Can you tell me a little bit about that, how you feel connected to your spirituality? Well, basically, my spirituality, I mean, I'm being an engineer and musician and that, I believe everything has a frequency. Everything vibrates at a frequency. Mm -hmm. And like a human being, we're only able to sort of like process certain frequencies. Mm -hmm. Our ears are like 20 to 20 and what our eyes, I'm not sure what our eyes are actually. They can see only certain frequencies. And I believe that the spiritual realm is a frequency range outside of our feeling. And I think it can be tuned into, right. you know what I mean? But it can't, you're never going to see. And I just think the problem is with a lot of people, they're like, oh, if I haven't, I can't see it. It doesn't exist. Yes. You know what I mean? Which is crazy because you can't see everything. No, you can't. You know, your physical body cannot, is not able to see everything yeah you know, hear whistles you know that we don't of course you know what i mean things like that do you know what i mean totally so as a spiritual person how are you in touch with your own spirituality what is it you can see or can't see or how does that sort of relate to you when you talk about this spirituality and the frequencies how how do you express that spirituality how do you through love it? basically just being a, ve a vessel of positive energy okay. you know what i mean that's kind of like the that's kind of like the deal you've made if you know what i mean it is. Okay, you could be yourself in this world, but you've got to go out there positive, full of love and hope and, and you know, and basically be that sort of person. Do you know what I mean? You've got to love everybody, love everything, yeah. you know, love nature, love animals, yes. love people, you know, and you've got, you've got to go out like that. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's like, that's the one thing you've been put, well, I've been put on this earth to do. Yes. I mean, and that's like I said, why I do the job I do, you know what I mean? Because I'm able through music to give a young person positive energy. And selflessly, yeah. it's selflessly, you know. Exactly. So you have to start with that loving yourself, which is really, mm. really important, isn't it? And that's by accepting yourself. Once you accept uh, yourself, you love yourself, then you're able to love others. Absolutely. It's, it's, just that, it's a simple path. And then you, you are open to more spiritual things. Yes, it starts with you, basically. Yeah. So, okay, people, as you've trans, I mean, I've seen it even being with you, and we've had a few little moments where, you know, we've had a little talk about people we've met and they haven't quite, some people don't understand trans people. Yeah. Some people, I think a lot of men in particular, I might men, yeah, that. definitely. but I think, yeah, I think men have, uh, some men have a real issue with that and just can't understand and a bit, they're a bit like that, or quite a lot actually. I would imagine you've had some experience of, of that too. Yeah, I yeah. get dirty looks, you know what I mean, when I'm in town sometimes. Yeah. But then, like, at the end of the day, it's not it's not their fault, you know what I mean? They haven't, they just haven't been exposed to it and educated about it, and, yeah. you know, because, again, they're not open, they're closed. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's a shame because they're going to, by being closed, you're going to miss out on so much in the world. Yes. 
I love the way you say it's not their fault because what I love about that statement is you're so solid sitting with who you are as a person that it's not their fault and you are so certain about who you are and that's really great that's really great so the future does look bright I mean I know we're in lockdown and I know it's not a good time for many 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 people and your situation it's probably exacerbated a few elements but and you are kind of sitting on the fence with literally moving forward you're on pause it feels like you're slightly on pause and on what you're doing is for example like in this interview you're just coming out being yourself in dribs and drabs, trying to capture those times to keep your sanity, I guess, to keep yourself yeah. going. Yeah. But once, once this is all, um, all over and, and you're back into the world again, and I know it's very difficult for some people to go back into the world anyway, it looks like you're, you've got a solid path in the UK ahead of you. Um, yeah. And you're obviously going to be living your life as D more mm-hmm. and more authentically and you're yep. going to be providing services to young people in music who want to make music and you're going to be there to also assist with young trans people too you know yeah. and and this is a great thing so i think any other message that you might want to give to the young people out there young trans people what's your final message yeah basically the advice that i give to them is do not ignore it is definitely do something about it but you've got to do it correctly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you go, obviously you'd speak to maybe a parent if that was possible, maybe a school teacher if that's possible. If not, go to like a charity like Metro if that's possible. But the best thing to do is to actually make sure that this is where you want to go because there's other, there's all other routes that this could stem from, like transvestitism, cross-dressing. Right. And do you know what I mean? It could actually only be things like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you need to kind of go down the route, but you need to do it with a professional or someone that you trust. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great advice, actually. And, and you're right. And, and I think that would also clarify, they would need that clarification because uh, as we know, when we're in a developmental stage um, in adolescence, there are many changes, many thoughts, many feelings that can be quite confusing anyway. So I think that that's a fantastic advice to, to actually be certain before then going for any kind of um, drastic changes, which would change forever so exactly yeah no that's wonderful great this is so exciting this really wonderful so informative and so so enlightening actually and enriching to to speak with you and you you give hope to people you know and this is wonderful i think we all need hope all we can do is keep supporting each other and and be with each other and be accepting and loving of each other thank you no problem